Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome into Stack in the Box. I am at Verdram alongside Josh Hill. We are back and with NFL draft reaction. The draft is finally over. All your mock drafts, all my mock drafts, a complete waste <laughs> of time. Luckily, I only wrote one of them. Uh, but look, the draft was interesting. It had the most trades of any draft in NFL history. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of movement uh, really throughout, starting at the top, more its way down through. Um, there's a lot to get to. We have 10 observations that we're going to hit. We're going to go right down the line. Um, then we'll wrap up at the end, but a lot to take in. There were a couple teams with three first round picks. Yep. It, it was, it was chaos. Uh, normally wide receivers and corners fly off the board, not the case this year. Uh, so th- there's a lot to get to, uh, but thank you for joining us and Hill, I will turn it over to you, sir. Uh, you and I both watched the draft in the office here in Chicago for fan side on Thursday. Then we watched from our houses Friday, Saturday your thoughts uh, on the uh, draft from Nashville? It was, I mean, I don't know if the fact that we had so many trades, more trades than ever in NFL draft history, is a good reflection on this draft. Because it's not like we had teams trading up. We had a lot of teams trading down, trading back, trading out of the first round. I mean, that's why so many, a handful of teams had three first-round draft picks. Because they moved back in which you could interpret as, oh, yeah, they wanted to get into the talent, but it was the types of teams that were moving out of the first round, moving out of the second round, not wanting to move up in the third or whatever. Uh, Thank God the Buccaneers took a kicker and didn't have to draft up for or trade up for him. So uh, there is that. But I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. I'm still where I was when we were talking about this class before uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, where it's like I'm not— I'm not sure this is going to be a class we look back on in 10 years and we're like, oh, that was a good one. Like, I was looking at the 2009 draft uh, the other day with Jason Cole, our editor-in-chief, and we were going through it, and I was like, man, these are just a bunch of guys. Like, it's not – you didn't get, it like, a Hall of Fame class. You didn't get a bunch of guys who were coming out and you're saying, man, this is – they're really leaving their mark. There's a legacy here that's going to be left behind in football. It's like Aaron Mabin. And like, that's a legacy, but yeah, not, it, not what you're looking for. It's just about – Matthew Stafford was the number one overall pick that year. Nobody embodies being – an elevated quote unquote guy more than Matthew Stafford. Like he is a starting quarterback in the NFL. He is an upper echelon starting quarterback. If he were to be released or hit the block, people would trade for him, but he's not a Brady. He's not a Rogers. He's not up there with these guys. No. And that's kind of emblematic of that class. And I wonder if that's going to be the same case for this one in 10 years. When we look back on this in 2029 and we're like, man, you know, Josh Allen, why did he fall so hard? Like, I mean, what was going on with these things? So, and actually, that's a good leaping off point for our 10 observations. Let's just start right at the top because Kyler Murray, it was Kyler Murray this, Kyler Murray that. 
they're going to take him. They're not going to take him. Josh Rosen's job is safe, blah, blah, blah. And all of it was for nothing because Kyler Murray goes number one overall. Back-to-back years, Oklahoma quarterbacks go number one overall. So Lincoln Riley, big winner out of all of yeah. this. You know, Jalen Hurts next year playing uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, he's not going number one. He's not going number one. But, you know, nobody said that about Kyler Murray when the season started Former last teammate year probably will. Yeah, that's true. Tua. Uh, but my, my observation was that the Cardinals are probably, this isn't probably going to work out for them because Steve Kime comes out of this looking really bad. Like they didn't start shopping Josh Rosen until they were on the clock. Like, come on, give me a break. But they did reinvent or revolutionize or pioneer or whatever kind of positive adjective you want to put to it. They reinvented the draft process in that it's going to be okay for teams in the future to have taken a quarterback or taking a player at a high draft position, and then the year after that, go back to the well if they think they want to. And people are already talking about the Dolphins doing that with Josh Rosen. They're like, hey, you traded a second-round pick for him. Doesn't work out. Go back and get Tua next year. Go back and get Herbert next year. So I think that they've kind of broken the mold, not in a good way. I don't think this is a positive take on the Cardinals, but they've broken the mold in that now it's going to be okay for teams to go, no, you know, it's not that unconventional for us to do this, even though it still seems incredibly wild that they took two quarterbacks in back-to-back years in the top 10. Yeah, what they did is dumb. (laughs) Uh, Look, I agree with you to an extent, but look, this is not going to start a new trend if Kyler Murray's not good. No. Because... If Kyler Murray turns out to be great, then teams are going to say, yeah, you know what? Look, Arizona did it. We could do that. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code radio and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code radio. Terms and conditions apply. If we have to, we'll take a little bit of heat, but we'll take less heat because now we've seen it work. Well, if Josh Rosen goes to Miami and he's good mm-hmm. and Kyler Murray turns out to be a bust, first of all, everybody in Arizona is fired. Oh, okay. So, justifiably. Secondly, no team's going to be doing that because they're going, geez, you know, look at the bath the Cardinals just took. We're not taking that bath with them, right? So I think my feeling on it is this. If they were going to take Murray, they really think Murray is that much better than Rosen, fine. Okay, it's the most important position in sports. I get it. That being said, Steve Keim talked to Peter King about why he made this move. And there was a big part in there about how he just shut his eyes and visualized what Kyler <laughs> Murray would look like in a Cardinals uniform. I mean, that's insane. Jeez. Look, that's psychotic. You know, Jason Cole, as you mentioned, our REIC, likes to mention that some of these guys, like, don't look for the smartest answer in the world. Some of them are just glorified PE teachers. Yeah. And, which no offense to PE teachers out there. Shout out Mr. Feinberg, my favorite <laughs> teacher ever in high school. But regardless, like, his point was and is, that, like, some of these guys, they get to that point because they knew somebody. They kind of rose up the ranks. They got a couple of hits. And they, they don't do things always for the right reasons. They just do them for their own reasons. Mm-hmm. And in this case, look, maybe Kyle loves the tape and he just said, hey, this is the right guy. And we got to move on. And if that's the case, fine. I don't have a problem with that. But then trade Josh Rosen for the draft. Yep. You end up getting a late second rounder and a 2025th for him. Are you kidding? I mean, what are, you, what are we doing? They should have been pounding the pavement on this a month ago and really ratcheted it up in the seven to 10 days for the draft. Mm-hmm. To wait and wait and wait and wait was insane. And to, and to reference Peter King's column again on NBC, um, he mentioned the one 
executive saying to him, is, is Kime kidding? They're not going to get a second round now. Like, we're, no. we're in the middle of the draft. or a first rounder because you want a first rounder and he ended up settling significantly. But I think like, if, if Murray's really good, nobody in the Cardinals organization is going to end up taking heat for this or they're going to no. care because they have a really good quarterback. If Murray's not significantly better than Rosen, mm-hmm. they get killed for this. Because if, if they're the same guy, then they should have just kept Rosen and used that pick to draft Nick Bosa or Quinn Williams or whoever else. Right. He has to be, he has to be a franchise, big-time type of quarterback. He's not that. Kime's gone. Kingsbury's gone. And guess what? Murray eventually gone. Yeah. Uh, well, that leads into the second observation. Uh, Josh Rosen was essentially drafted two years in a row. He goes to yeah. the Cardinals oh, last yeah. year. And he doesn't see a full season of action. Uh, which, by the way, I saw this on Twitter I forget who tweeted it, so I apologize. But the Cardinals invested $33 million in three quarterbacks last year. Sam yeah. Bradford, yeah. Mike Glennon, and Josh Rosen. None of them are on the team anymore. Well done. That Good investment right there. But Josh Rosen essentially gets drafted two years in a row. This time it's in Miami. And it seems like when he, was, when they, he slipped to number 10 last year, I said it on our draft show, and I've held true to it since, that that's the guy that I want because he's got a fire in his belly. That's the guy. And as soon as he got drafted in his interview, he's like, you know, there's nine mistakes taken before me and then somebody made the right pick. And I was like, damn, that's what I want my quarterback to be. And everybody's got their thing about him where he's too intellectual or maybe he's arrogant or somebody yesterday was like, he's an environmentalist. We can't have this in the NFL. Yeah, God forbid. <laughs> like, somebody likes a tree. It's time to get them out. But now he goes to the Dolphins for what essentially amounts to a second-round pick. So he's a yep. second-round pick this year. I think this is great for him because now he, that fire was already in his belly where he's like, look, nine guys are taken before me. I'm going to go out and I'm going to be the best quarterback in this draft class. Now he's, got, he's been traded, and he was already talking crap to uh, Kyler Murray. Robert Klemko wrote a piece about Rosen over the weekend. Yes. And the quote in there was, you know, his agent was like, they, they might want you to compete for the starting job. And he's like, that's fine. Kyler can be the backup. <laughs> I'm like, that's... That's what I want. And now, so he's got this extra fire in his belly. Miami's getting, this is, I don't, I don't know why other teams didn't make a trade with a higher second round draft pick. If I'm, and Robert May said this on the Ringer podcast, so I'm stealing his take, but it's my team. He's like, if you're Bruce Arians, why aren't you trading a second round pick for Josh Rosen? Agreed. You've got Winston. It'll light a fire under Winston. And if it doesn't work out, you've got Rosen. Agreed. And that's the same thing. The Patriots, the Bengals, you're telling me the Bengals have their second round pick and they're, that guy's going to turn out to be better than Josh Rosen have been traded for. Bengals. So the Dolphins, yeah. I, I see this working out very well, but Verderan, what do you think about Rosen to the Dolphins? Because this seems like a dream scenario for both sides. It's a great scenario because if you're Rosen, you have a year where there's absolutely no pressure. They're totally rebuilding the team. And if you're not you know, totally comfortable with the playbook first couple weeks of the year, eight weeks of the year, it doesn't matter. You have time. You're not going to get benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick. There's no reason to. If the Dolphins do that, it's a lunacy. They should just play him 16 games. As long as he's healthy and whatever happens, happens. Look, I think it's a home run for both sides. For Rosen, you get a fresh start with a franchise that is clearly building for the future. Additionally, if you're the Dolphins, you didn't trade a lot of capital for, for a guy who might be a franchise quarterback. He's 22 years old. He's a top 10 pick. I mean, this is, this is a no-brainer if you're Miami. Yeah. And look, I, I said, and I believe I wrote, I, don't, I can't remember if I wrote, but I know I've said this on a handful of radio spots, why the Giants didn't just go, hey, <laughs> here's our second round pick. We'll take him instead of Daniel Jones at six. I'll never understand. You mentioned the Bengals, look, no doubt about it. Okay, the Bengals took you know, a tight end, I believe it, 
pick 44. Drew Sample or something yeah, like who, that. Who's yeah. projected to be like a sixth-round pick and a bat. By the way, I'm not going to get off on a tangent about this because I, I can if I'm not careful. But C.J. Uzama, they signed him. This three years, <laughs> like, he's our starting guy. And then you went out and second you draft round. Sample in the second round, like a bunch of dopes. But regardless, look, I'll move on from that. I think the, I think the move by the Dolphins was smart. As you said, I'm surprised more teams weren't in on that. For a second-round pick for that guy? Mm-hmm. I'm taking a shot. I'm taking a shot for sure. And even if I'm a team like New England or I'm the Chargers, yep. I'm thinking about doing that. Maybe maybe to have him as a backup for the next couple of years, that's a little too rich. And I get that. So I'm not crushing those teams. But if I'm the Bengals, if I'm the Giants, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely making that call. The Buccaneers is an interesting call by Robert Mays. You, know, you could see that as well. Uh, if I'm the Panthers, yeah, with all this stuff going on with Cam Newton's arm and his shoulder, I mean, they took Will Greer mm-hmm. not all that much later. And Rosen's a better talent than Greer. I think most people would agree. So, um, look, there are a lot of teams you could, you could throw in that mix for sure. Um, the Raiders? Yeah. I mean, if you're the Raiders, like, what's the problem there? You're clearly not thrilled with Derek Carr. But, yeah, look, I, I think ultimately a good spot for Rosen. And for the Dolphins, I mean, why not? Yeah. Makes all the sense of the world. Easy. Uh, speaking of Daniel Jones, observation number three. You can just title this one WTFNYC. Like, come on. The Giants, they take Daniel Jones number six. David Gettleman, who's already taking heat for trading Odell Beckham Jr. after saying that we don't trade our stars or whatever the hell that he said. I forget exactly what it was, but it was a bunch of poppycock about we're not going to trade Odell Beckham. And then he trades him, like, literally walking away from the podium. They trade Damon Harris, Snacks Harris uh, last year. They yep. trade Olivier Vernon also to the Browns. Yep. Um, so he's gutting this team. It looks like they're going to go defense. Um, they don't. At the time, Josh Allen is still on the board. They don't take him. He could be a nice edge presence in, in New York. They could have doubled up, double dipped, gone seven, or number six, go defense, 17, go defense, yep. then take a quarterback in the second round, which, as it turns out, could have been a trade for Josh Rosen. So they could have walked away with this with Josh Allen, somebody else, and Josh Rosen. Yep. Different conversation. They don't. They walk away with Josh Allen and then Dexter Lawrence. Then yep. they trade back into the first round with capital. They could have used a trade for Josh Rosen, and they take DeAndre Baker, who may end up being actually a good cornerback. People were graded pretty high on him. But I'll cede the floor to you, Verderam, to channel some of this inner New York rage. Like, I mean, just, what the hell? They're just dumb. They're just a dumb franchise right now. There's, there's no rhyme or reason for what they do. They can't even give you the rhyme or reason. It's not, it's not like we're all sitting out here saying, well, I don't get it. And Dave Gettleman's getting up at the podium and he's saying, look, here's the plan. And you're going, okay, well, I don't agree with it, but this is what it – there is no plan. It's like, well, hey, Dave, why would you draft Daniel Jones? Well, it's a senior boy. I watched him play three series and I just fell in complete love with him. That's your reasoning? Yikes. Look, I, sat, I was at the senior bowl. In fact, I met Dave Gettleman at the senior bowl. I'm not going to say I had a big conversation. I didn't. just said hi, but was at the senior bowl. And I was sitting with a scout for a couple of the practices or portions of two of the practices. And we're watching the quarterbacks throw. And, you know, Drew Locke looked the best out of the kids that were there. Mm-hmm. And we're watching Daniel Jones throw. And unsolicited, he turned to me and said, that kid has no effing chance of, of being a high-quality NFL starter. And he said, you know, yeah, because of his arm. I mean, his arm just wasn't that strong, especially compared to Locke when you were watching them in person. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he'll still, he'll probably go in the late first, early second. He shouldn't, but he will, because that's what this league's about now. And then he went six overall. (laughs) 
And it's just, it's just incredible to me. Anyone who watched any film of Daniel Jones, watched in person, there's no way somebody walked away from that going, he's the sixth best player in this draft. He's the best quarterback going. I don't understand what the Giants could have seen. And look, look at their depth chart defensively. I ran it off on last week's Stacking the Box. Their depth chart defensively is like 11 guys you made up on Madden. I mean, it's, just, it's like a creator roster. It's incredible. There's nobody you've even heard of. And they could have drafted Ed Oliver. They could have drafted Josh Allen. They didn't draft either one. Then, as you mentioned, at 17, they take Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence is an interior player who's a run stuffer who's coming off a PD suspension at Clemson. Mm-hmm. And at 30, look, I actually like DeAndre Baker. Yeah. But they could have just sat there in the second round. There's a million corners to be had. Baker was obviously still available. Greedy Williams was still available. Yep. He ends up going 16 picks later. Uh, there, there were a bevy of corners. Bunting, who your Buccaneers took. Byron Murphy uh, was still there. Byron the Murphy, yep. Trayvon Mullins, uh, who went to Oakland. Uh, Rocky Sin went yep. early second round. Indianapolis. These were all corners who were right in that same range, if not higher on most boards than, than DeAndre Baker. So I don't understand what the Giants are doing. And here's the biggest problem, and I'll, I'll end it with this. If you're the Giants, okay, maybe Manning plays this year out. Maybe he doesn't. We'll see. They have to give Jones a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And if this thing just is a complete disaster, I mean, you're, you're done. Like, Gettleman has tied his entire future to this, which maybe some Giant fans are actually rooting for Daniel Jones to be yeah. terrible because of that. But, I mean, you've tied your whole future to this. If he's not good, you're done. And you traded Odell Beckham to get Dexter Lawrence and Jabril Pappers. That's insane. That's insane. I, there are 25 other receivers in the league who I wouldn't even entertain that idea. And they traded Odell Beckham for that. So, so it's, a, it's a rough one for the Giants. I don't know how you justify it. They pass on Sam Darnold last year, famously. Yep. They pass on Josh Rosen last year and this year. So they pass on Josh Rosen twice yep. to end up with Daniel Jones. Yeah, right. Who, awesome. And this was said ad nauseum over the weekend but yeah Daniel Jones is fine if they take him in the second or third round right like it's not that bad it's the fact Man, that he went sixth overall even if he went 30th to them mm-hmm. the I, I 17th fine. okay you know what yeah, fine the sixth are you kidding especially the way the board fell to them yep it's just what, what are you doing what is going on I mean that is that is look the NFC East the punching bags have long been Dan Schneider and the Redskins I actually thought the Redskins did great, yep. and the Giants have just replaced them as just the, the comical laughing stock of the division right now. I mean, the Giants just can't get anything right. No. Uh, but speaking of teams that maybe got it right, uh, the opposite of the Giants, a team that we thought was going to take a quarterback high in the draft, ended up showing some patience and getting the guy that we all thought they were going to get. Uh, the Denver Broncos take Drew Locke, not in the first round. They actually trade back from 10 with the Steelers trade up to get Devin Bush. The Broncos trade back, eventually get Locke. Um, what do you think of that? Because it was something that we thought was going to be at number 10, and it seems to be the exact opposite of what the Giants did and what we thought a lot of these teams were going to do, which was overreact, panic, and take way too many quarterbacks way too high. The Broncos trade down, they wait, and they still get their guy. Yeah, they did. I thought John Elway did a nice job maneuvering around the board. Uh, he's been crushed by me and a million other people for his draft habits in the past, but I thought he did a nice job. Um, look, Denver picked up a much-needed offensive lineman in the second round, Dalton Reisner, who a lot of people thought would be a late first-round pick. Noah Fant, uh, 
I'm I'm so so on him as a prospect, but look, a lot of people are really high on him, so I'm not knocking them at all for taking him at 20. That's fine. They need to rebuild that offense. Putting him with Flacco, too, who likes to throw to tight ends. Yes, he does. Um, <laughs> don't leave it at that. Um, my only criticism of this whole thing with, with a lot, look, it was a very, very well-known fact when I was down at Mobile at Senior Bowl that the Broncos loved Drew Locke. Um, this has been reported by, again, me and about 500 other people that they really, really liked him. He, they confirmed that after the draft he was the top-rated quarterback on their board. Uh, Peter King, who was in Denver for part of the draft, saw their board and confirmed that. So, um, look, Denver ends up getting him at 42 instead of 10. Obviously, that's great value. My only thing is, if you were Denver after you traded from 10 to 20, they had a lot of extra draft capital. Mm-hmm. They also had Chris Harris, who they are continually yeah. involved in rumors with that they're going to trade him because he wants an extension. He's got one year left, you know, so on and so forth. If you're Denver there, I would have called the Rams at 31 and said, look, we want to trade into that pick. Now you say, well, they're giving them more capital than they have to. Yeah, but they get the fifth round op- fifth-year option on Locke. Mm-hmm. That's key. Because Locke's not going to start right away. So you want as much control in this situation as you possibly can have. And instead of that, they're only going to have four years of control with him. So now you're in a situation where let's let's say Locke sits behind Flacco for a year. Comes in, his rookie year, you know, his second year, his first year starting, his ho-hum. Maybe the year after that, he's better. Well, guess what? Now you only have one year left on this contract. And now you're already looking at a situation where you've kind of got to make a choice on where you want to go with this guy. So I think they would have been better off trading late into the first round. Um, but that's the only criticism I have of it. I mean, mm-hmm. look, I, I'm not a big log guy. I, I just I think against SEC competition, he really struggled. There's some accuracy issues, which when you look at college players at that position compared to pro, one thing is their accuracy never gets better, ever. It always gets either worse or it stays the same. And so with Locke, that's a concern of mine. But at that value... I understand why the Broncos went the way they did. Let's talk about another team that kind of perplexed people. The Green Bay Packers. There's a lot of conversation about them coming into the draft because we're all hot off of the Aaron Rodgers piece on Bleacher Report, which basically tears them down. And then Rodgers claps back, which is usually something Rodgers doesn't do. Right. But kind of fit into exactly the personality that was built up in the piece. That if you are not with him, you are against him. So he kind of proved... The point of the uh, the article there. But the Packers, they go out and they get Rashawn Gary, yep. which seems like maybe a bit of a reach, but I don't know. They just they, The thing that bothers me about this is they go defensive heavy in the, in the free agency, and then they follow that up with Rashawn Gary. Like, what, are, what are the Packers doing here? Well, a few things jumped out to me about the Packers. One is, we just mentioned them, Rashawn Gary. They're going to turn Rashawn Gary, at least with what they said in the post-presser, uh, they're going to turn him into a 3-4 outside linebacker. Rashawn Gary's 275 Jesus. pounds. <laughs> you're not turning that guy into a 3-4 outside linebacker. Not that size. Um, and if you're asking him to change that size, you're changing his whole body. You're changing his techniques, everything else. Mm-hmm. That, that's always, to me, a big no-no. I, I watched the Chiefs try to do that with D Ford for years on end, and it took literally five years for D Ford to figure out how to. And even still, D Ford can't stop the run. He can't defend anybody in the pass. He's a one trick pony. Uh, and, and he was more of a body type for the 3 4 outside linebacker. So to, to convert Gary from a 4 3 defensive end to a 3 4 outside guy, that worries me. The other part of it is Gary's got a torn labrum, or at least that was reported. He, he disputes that. But there's a report that he has a torn labrum. Um, and then also. 
he was not productive at Michigan. He mm-hmm. had nine and a half sacks. No offense to him. Who cares? And I've seen Packers fans. I, I've said this. Packers fans have said, to me, well, we got double team the Collins. Like, Guess what? So did Josh Allen. Yep. So did Cleveland Farrell. Like, yeah, of course he did. So what? Make a play. Do something. He's getting double teamed by two guys who are going to be working, uh, covered and selling insurance. I mean, you better be able to get through that double team because guess what? He's going to get double teamed in the pros sometimes too if he's good. So, I, look, I don't buy that for a second. I like Savage. Mm-hmm. They're second pick in the first round. Uh, Darnell Savage was a guy who a source told me months ago, he's like, watch this kid. He's going to end up really close to the first round. Well, source actually undersold him. He ended up in the first round. Um, look, I, I, I am not surprised. Um, and I think he's going to be a really nice pairing with Adrian Amos in the back end. They have Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson's corners. Mm-hmm. So really young athletic defense in the back end. But I, the pick of Gary bothers me. There's just a lot of red flags about that. That looks like that's the kind of pick that in five years I feel like you'll look back and go, geez, you knew they shouldn't have taken him then when they did it. Yeah. The other point is real quickly, they did not take a wide receiver. Mm. And I am shocked by that. Yep. Because you have Devontae Adams. Okay, he's your number one guy. Fine. You lost Randall Cobb in free agency. You didn't replace him. Obviously, Nelson a few years ago. Now you're looking at Equimini St. Brown and Valdez Scantling. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's when you're going three wide. Oh, boy. That's it? I'm sorry. You're all in with Aaron Rodgers right now, and you took a reach of 12, and you didn't take any wide receivers in this class. You took Jay Sternberger later on as a tight end. All right, I guess. But like that, i got to tell you, that's a, that's a draft class that, other than Savage, who I really do like, I, have, I just have a lot of questions. I thought with, with Rodgers being at the point he's at in his career, they would have kind of went all in there a little bit. Yeah. Uh, let's say in the NFC North for another team, the Detroit Lions, or as I'm now referring to them as a New England Patriots cover band, because that's exactly what Matt Patricia seems to be plays, doing. Plays at bad weddings. Yeah, it's just bad. Dive bars, bad weddings. It's not even the first choice for the wedding, too. Yeah. Plays like somebody's third wedding. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. <laughs> Trying to save money. <laughs> The, uh, and this is also, their draft class looks a little bit worse in contrast to the Patriots draft class where they get guys like Nikhil Harry, uh, Joe Juwan Williams, Chase Winovich, who might actually be better than Rashawn Gary when yeah. things are yeah. all said and done. Um, they get Jarrett Stidham, the Patriots do, which the joke now is who are they going to trade him to in two years when whatever, he's the next Garoppolo. But the Lions have kind of a quiet class. They take TJ Hawkinson with their first pick, and then they grab a bunch of guys. None of them really stand out to me. I mean, Will Harris could be a good safety. We'll see. But the thing is, Patricia, who's a defensive-minded guy who we think is going to go into Detroit and make the Motor City Kitties this like roaring animal on defense, you've got Ed Oliver on the board. You've got Devin Bush on the board. You've got Christian Wilkins on the board. You've got big defensive guys right. that can fit a right. system on the board. And he goes with TJ Hawkinson, which immediately you're like, well, he's drafting his Gronk. Like, this is what he's doing. And it seems like it continues this theme of Patriots coaches going somewhere else and trying to do what Bill Belichick did while they were on his staff and not being able to replicate it. And here's Patricia doing that in a year where Belichick actually puts together a draft class where people are like, man, Belichick did a really good job this year. So I don't know what to think about the Lions. I don't know what to think about Patricia. We were both woefully underwhelmed last year. But what say you, Werner? I know what to think about it. Uh, Matt Patricia has not shown any inkling at all that he's a good head coach. Um, in fact, look, last year, the thing that really just cemented it for me was when later in the year he was putting them outside in practices. 
And he just kept telling he just kept telling the media like they gotta get tougher. We gotta we gotta learn how to play in the outdoors. Hey Matt, you play indoors. This is Foxborough. Like what what are you talking about? I mean, these are the types of things that like you talk about how people want to just be Belichick that were around them. You are not Belichick. And before anybody DMs us or tweets us or emails us like, well, you guys are idiots. The GM makes the picture. Oh, Bob Quinn's a New England product too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's let's just get it real. They are absolutely trying to be just like New England. Oh, by the way, Hill, do you remember who was their biggest free agent signing? Uh, I believe it was a New England Patriot. Yes, Trey Flowers. Five years, ninety million bucks. Okay, Jason, who who is that receiver that they added? Who's totally shot? Oh, Danny Amendola. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, just talk about third weddings. That's like, good God, that guy's done. It's like a fifth wedding out in a (laughs) barn, okay? I mean, that is, they have cornered the market on, we're going to be just like New England. And you know how many times that's worked? Zippo. Go look at every other example of it. It never works any other place. And so, I look at the situation and I say to myself, if you're Detroit, look, I have nothing against CJ Hawkinson. Maybe he turns into a really good player. But, you have bigger needs here. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you do. You need more than TJ Hawkinson's going to help you with. You have no defense. You know, maybe maybe that would have been a good idea. And then in the second round, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the first name because, I, frankly, I'll butcher it. Um, but they draft a linebacker out of Hawaii, mm-hmm. uh, Tavai, who people thought he was like a fourth-round pick. Yep. And again, you're seeing them, my God, if you're the Lions, you have Darius Slay and you and me playing defense in that secondary. I know they just drafted, or they just signed Justin Coleman for $36 million. Who, by the way, nothing against Justin Coleman. Who is, who is competing for that contract? Who is like, geez, we've got to give Justin Coleman $36 million. Most people could pick him out of a lineup. They have Slay. They could have gone and got another corner, which they should have done because tease to board, not getting the job done. Okay? They should have went out and got a corner. They could have got an edge rusher even at that point, but they didn't. I am just very confused by the Lions, but I am not confused on how I feel about the Lions. I feel like the Lions are going to have a very, very tough season. In fact, he'll do me a favor while I'm sitting here talking about this. Pull up their schedule real quick if you could. Uh, because if memory serves me right, it's going to be a tough beginning of the season for Detroit. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be rough sledding here for Detroit as the, uh, the old NFL site wants to load very slowly yeah. here. I, I, I know in some order... Well, they start at... Arizona. Right. And then after that, it's brutal. Home against the Chargers, at the Eagles, home against the Chiefs, at the Packers, home against the Vikings, Giants, at okay. the Raiders, at the Bears, so Cowboys. For, it's for, just brutal. First five games of the year, they better beat Arizona. Because if they don't do that, they're probably staring down the barrel one of four. Yeah, and that also would be the most Matt Patricia slash post-Belichick coaching thing. If Murray Kyler Murray comes out and just has game. an incredible... Yeah. It's in Arizona. It's at home. Like... That, yeah, I could definitely. Matt Patricia is the least innovative coach in the history of football, and then and then they've got Kingsbury, who's going to go like nine wide if it's he makes all them possible. look good. Yeah, man, I can't believe Kingsbury didn't get more offers. The, like, the, wow. The, How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K, unreasonably good. Game that we're not going to get this year that we and we did not get last year either that we really need is Patricia against O'Brien. We need. We don't need that. We, yes, we do. God, we, <laughs> and, and we're never going to get it because Patricia's probably going to get fired after this year. But yeah. we need, we need that game where those two just match wits from from an execution standpoint. And it, oh my God, I would pay good money. I mean, just you know. 
third and two, and one of them's been run the ball well, and it's just a fifty-yard back protect deep shot to the Good tight God. end. I, I, it's just, it's incredible. It really is. I'm sure Belichick would be watching that somewhere with like a bottle of gin, just trying to get through it. But um, yeah, let's just say I actually like Hawkinson, mm-hmm. but I just they had bigger needs. They could have drafted Ed Oliver there. And they just yeah. said, nah, that's all right. We have Sean Robinson. That's worked out well. Speaking of two teams that could have drafted Ed Oliver, one of them did. The other one drafted Josh Allen. Buffalo and Jacksonville. The board falls perfectly for them. They don't have to trade up to get their guys. Allen is a steal for the Jaguars. Ed Oliver falling to Buffalo was a dream scenario, and he's going to be a that, – that guy's you know, not to channel my inner John Gruden, but like he, that guy f- just feels like a Buffalo Bills player. Ed Oliver, like he, he just plug in the middle. He's going to be good. Uh, but th- both of those teams, again, showcasing patience. What do you think about the Jaguars and the Bills? Talked about it. Uh, two favorite draft classes of the year. Uh, and look, I don't know that Jacksonville got a lot of depth beyond the first two picks, but man, when you walk away with Josh Allen at seven, didn't mm-hmm. have to move up. Then you get Jawan Taylor, who a lot of people mocked them at seven, yep. <laughs> and they got him in the second round. It's amazing value. Dave Caldwell, hell of a job. Um, and I thought with the Bills, again, Ed Oliver goes to them. Mm-hmm. And you could say, well, it fell to them. Okay, we fell to the Lions. And he, I mean, yep. so who cares? The, the Bills were smart enough to take him. Uh, I think he's their next, like, Kyle Williams type. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you look at, you know, you, you go down the line, Cody Ford in the second round. Mm-hmm. Cody Ford's a great value. I, I like it a lot. I like Dawson Knox, the tight end. I think Dawson Knox can play for them. And Devin Singletary... He's maybe that heir apparent to LaShawn McCoy, at least that's what they're hoping. Yep. McCoy obviously on the wrong side of 30. I thought Brandon Bean did a really nice job. They didn't, they didn't panic. They didn't get aggressive. They stood right where they were. They added a lot of pieces. Look, I don't think the Bills are a playoff team this year, and I have a lot of reservations about Josh Allen, the quarterback. Mm-hmm. But I think they've done a nice job building this team. That's a defense all of a sudden that you look at and you go, okay, well, they got Tredavious White. They, they, got, they got Micah Hyde. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got Jerry Hughes, who's older, but he's still a good player now. They add Ed Oliver into the mix here. I actually like Matt Milano a lot, the, the linebacker, young kid. I, I think he's going to be a player for them. So the Bills, slowly but surely, are are really on the right path. The biggest thing, of course, with them is Allen. Yeah. Allen has to be good. And I don't know that Allen can throw the ball. I mean, obviously, he's got a great arm, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure he can throw it in the sense of completing 63, 64% of his throws mm-hmm. and avoiding the picks. That's going to be key because without a quarterback in this league, you're sunk. But if he can even just be good, I, I like the direction the Bills are headed. And Jacksonville, just to double back on them, they got Nick Foles in the offseason. Mm-hmm. My big concern with Jacksonville is, can that, is that offense, do they have enough? That's the concern I have mm-hmm. with them. I like Taylor coming in. The line should be much better. Okay, they're getting Robinson back off of the, off of the torn ACL. But right now, Fournette has not lived up to his draft stock. Yeldon is gone. And then you look outside, and it's, it's Keelan Cole, and it's D.D. Westbrook, and it's Marquise Lee coming off a torn ACL. And they have no tight end to speak of. I, I just – Nick Foles was very good in Philly where he's surrounded by a lot of talent. He's not surrounded by a lot of talent in Jacksonville. No. I think the defense will be very good. I worry that the offense against teams that can score some points is just not going to be able to keep up. Even in today's NFL, look – if you play a really good offensive team, even with a good defense, you're probably going to have to score 24, 27 points. I don't know that Jacksonville can do that consistently. Uh, two more tops, but I want to wrap this up with my early season dying on the hill. Um, I, I'm getting 2018 Chicago Bears vibes from this Bills team. 
Okay. I think they could sneak because if they're, I mean, they're not going to win the division, they're not going to unseat the. the that Patriots. would be amazing. That no. would be amazing. That's not gonna it's going to be a little bit lighter than that because if you look at the wild card, like the AFC wild card will be competitive. I think a lot of people yep. are penciling in the Chargers, assuming that they don't win the division, the West, and if they win the West, the Chiefs can get slotted in. Those two teams will be in the playoffs. That's One that's your wild either. card A. Your wild card B. The Bills could very easily. End the season. They're interesting because you know, it's the it's the opposite of the Jaguars. Like, yeah, let's say Josh Allen doesn't have a ton of great games. The offense doesn't score a lot of points. That defense, I think, it's going to smother some teams, and I think it's going to take a lot of teams by surprise. They're probably going to lose in the wild card, but I think after a year off, they're going to get back to where they were because they're just a year removed from the playoffs. Like we, yep. we forget that. So that defense is really well put together. When when Doug McDermott, or excuse, Doug McDermott, I'm talking about basketball apparently. When One Sean McDermott. <laughs> Doug McDermott, no not really. coaching the Bills. <laughs> when Sean McDermott, I'm going to leave. I'm not even going to that Plot out. That's, I deserve that. Uh, when Sean McDermott, when he coaches the Bills, I look at a guy who I think is doing a pretty good job. The only time he's not is when Nathan Peterman's involved. Somehow, yeah. how, how Sean McDermott thinks that Nathan Peterman's an NFL quarterback, I have nope. no idea. But luckily, that, that ship has finally sailed. Um, but, yeah, look, I think McDermott can coach. I like where the Bills are headed. I really do. I just Again, it, to me, it's about Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen's good. They can compete. If not, it's going to hold them back. Uh, talking about somebody who's probably not going to compete this year, the Oakland Raiders. They are not going to compete. Holy no. cow. So they reach for their very first of three first-round picks, and they come away with kind of, eh, not a whole lot. Peter King wrote that Mike Mayock is the adult in the room, in the draft war room. I don't know if I should feel bad for Mayock or if I should be like, you know what you got into. Like he, he knows exactly what he, what he bought into. Yeah. Um, but he, it feels like he's desperately trying to save the Raiders. He's a smart guy. I feel like if there is a GM that can go up toe-to-toe with Gruden, Agreed. it's Mayock. I don't think that's going to be enough to save them, especially after what I saw them do with their draft class. The problem with Mayock's situation, and I agree with everything you said, is Gruden sells nine years $90 million left. Yep. So ultimately... It's his law. It's whatever he wants to do. And I think Mayock can persuade him and get him to listen. And if Mayock has early success, he'll get him to listen more. Um, look, my problem, though, with this class, and it's been well documented, wrote about it, talked about it uh, in a lot of places, is the Raiders reached like none other for Cleveland Farrell at four. And then mm-hmm. King, again, I'm, I'm referencing Peter King wrote a phenomenal column. You really should oh, check yeah. it out on football. Um, on uh, football morning in America and it's on pro football talk. Um, but he wrote about, you know, the Raiders are sitting in the draft room after they draft Farrell saying, yeah, you know, he's, he may not be as good as, as Josh Allen. Or, you know, I believe the other guy he said it was uh, at Oliver, but you know, Hey, you know, he, he should be an eight to 12 sack guy who sets the edge and, and he, and he's got good practice habits. What? Like, what are you talking about? you, you knew you drafted a guy who's probably not as good as another guy who plays the <laughs> same position, which is an edge rusher and Josh Allen, but you took him because he's like good in practice and stuff. What, what, this is in high school. What are you doing? And I have no problem with Cleveland Farrell, the player. I have a problem with Cleveland Farrell at four. Mm-hmm. I have a major problem with Josh Jacobs at 24. Yeah. What are you doing? Are you kidding? I don't care if it's Adrian Peterson. That team has a million needs. And you have all these te- the talented defensive players on the board, like a Montez Sweat at that point, by the way. Yep. And they went, that's nah, all right. We'll take a running back. Yeah, because that's what that team needs, a running back behind a Tom Cable coached offensive line. That'll, that'll do th- some things. That'll turn back time. That'll make everything better. 
I, I don't understand why they did that. And Jonathan Abram, look, uh, it's a box. He's a box safety. I think they could have done it better there too. I think they could have gone corner, but I at least think Abram's a pretty good player. And I and I think the same for Farrell. But I think they reached on both guys. Yep. And I think with Jacobs, look, they maybe didn't reach. Maybe another team would have taken him. But that's a luxury pick. They didn't even take the starting running back from Alabama. They yeah, took the backup. Yeah, just, <laughs> what are you doing? I don't care if he's a good player. I don't care. It's asinine. It's terrible value for a team that needs a hell of a lot better value. So, look, I, the Raiders, to me, it just doesn't make sense. I like Mullen in the second round. But they just did some things I don't get. And, look, I, I've already seen the take. I saw it from Mel Kuyper. Okay, and I'm gonna, I like Mel. I'm call out Mel. Not that Mel gives a flying you-know-what if I'm calling him out. But Mel Kuyper went on uh, Gold and Wingo on ESPN in the morning on, I believe it was Monday morning, and said the Raiders going 10-6 to win that division. When did ESPN start doing science fiction? <laughs> there is no chance. Uh, listen, the Raiders win that division and Rivers and Mahomes aren't uh, drastically injured. I will, I will quit my job. There is no <laughs> chance. In a million years, the Raiders win that division. The, first of all, even if you want to say, well, the Chiefs, there's a lot going on with them right now and Mahomes is going to regress. Did the Chargers up and die? <laughs> I mean, like, both those teams die? I would take the Broncos ahead of the Raiders. So, like, listen, to me, I, I, you could make the argument, at least in my opinion, like which one of those teams is better. That's just my two cents. But there, there is no, the Chargers and the Chiefs, if they don't have massive injuries, are going 4-0 against the Raiders. Like, what argument is there? Even if Tyree Hill is not there for the Chiefs, and even if the Chargers suffer their, their annual injury to some big playmaker... How are the? I'm sorry. How are the Raiders stopping those two teams with Garon Connolly and 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 Lamarcus Joyner and 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 Jonathan Abram and Trayvon Mullen? Like that's the look. look it's better than what it's been. But I'm sorry. What is Cleveland Farrell going to be Lawrence Taylor in this situation? Like, who the hell's stopping those two teams? The, I'm just cutting those takes off the pass. The, you want to talk about like the goal for the Raiders should be third place. That should be the goal. Because that is as high as they're climbing. The Chiefs and the Chargers are so far out in front of those Hurts teams in that division. And the Raiders, maybe just because they absolutely had to win this draft, close the gap a little bit because they had so many picks, but they didn't close it to me in any meaningful way. No. All right. Well, the last five minutes here, we got two more topics. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this one. We kind of mentioned it earlier. But Will Greer goes to the Panthers. Yep. Um, immediately, you're like, no, he's not going to take cam newton's job not now not next year but 2021 cam newton's an unrestricted free agent he's 32 years old he's got a history of shoulder problems of back problems neck issues leg issues. i mean he's sure I mean, we see the way he plays like and he's you know punishing his body the idea that the panthers are going to have to make some decisions on him in the next couple of years is not outside the realm of reality the idea that will greer come 2021, week one, might be the Carolina Panthers' starting quarterback. Seems absurd right now, but it's also the kind of thing where I was thinking about it and comparing it to, you know, in the middle of the 2016 season, people were like, you know, Kevin Durant going to the Warriors. Stupid. Get out of here with that. There's no way he's going to the Warriors. And now he's there. A little bit of a different situation, but the way that these things develop over time. Is Will Greer going to be the successor to Cam Newton if things go well for him? Yeah, I'll keep it brief because you're right. We did touch on it a little bit. I think it's possible. I wouldn't say it's probable. I wouldn't bet on it. But, yeah, look, you know, they drafted him there for a reason. 
Um, he's an insurance policy. Mm-hmm. And if Newton doesn't play that well, the team doesn't have a ton of success, and he's got some injuries piling up on him, yeah, it's possible. If Greer looks like the guy, I, I could see them saying, look, we're going to go that route. The one thing with Cam, he relies a lot on his legs, mm-hmm. and he's taking a lot of hits. Yeah. And those, that combination does not age very well. I don't see Cam playing a 40. I don't see him being Drew Brees in this situation. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that's not a knock on Cam. It's just it's his playing style. He's, he's a very aggressive guy. He, he's not afraid to take hits, and that's a credit to him. But it also, it's also a detriment when you've been taking hits for a decade. And in the Panthers, you just kind of look at him and say, they're just kind of there right now. They don't have a great team around him. He's coming off of a real, like a significant shoulder surgery. If this thing goes south and Greer really looks good in practice and in preseason games and everything else, and the, and the coaches really love him, it's possible. And I don't think you can close the door on it. Yeah. Uh, last topic here. The Kansas City Chiefs trade up. They take Mikol Hardman which is not significant other than they trade up, but it's made more significant with the release of the Tyree Kill tape on draft night yeah. in which he's heard saying very heinous things, and it's not looking like a good situation. It's been written about, you can go out and find it, but the Tyree Kill situation seems like it's not going to end well for him in Kansas City, and they trade up and draft Mecole Hardman. Is that a replacement for Tyree Kill? What's going on? Because like, when you see the tape come out or hear the tape come out, and then the Chiefs draft a second round, trade into the second round to draft a, a wide receiver who's kind of like him. Yep. You know, dots Bill, get connected. Bill, very similarly in terms of height and weight, he's got that same – He's got a four two four laser time forty, which I think is the exact same time Hill was timed at. Mm-hmm. So he comes in as a raw receiver, a great returner. Guess what? That's exactly what Tyreek Hill came in as. Now, when that pick was made, I'm almost positive I tweeted out, "Well, you know, if that's not the end of Tyreek Hill and Kansas City, mm-hmm. nothing is." And I got to tell you, the more I've thought about it, I don't know that's the end of Tyreek Hill because the Chiefs were always going to draft a receiver in this class. They lost Chris Conley in free agency. Yeah. They lost Anthony Thomas. They were always going to take a receiver. What was notable to me was they didn't take a second one. And they had a lot of opportunities to do it. Mm. And they never did it. And Hill's still on that team. We're recording this now on Tuesday. And he's still on the roster. And if you look at their statement, they said... Repeat after me. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. It's a Jamie from Progressive. Shh, Jamie. No, it's all right. I can talk. Progressive protects you 24-7, which means you can contact us anytime. Shh. Hmm. I'm getting a loud shh sound, so I'm going to talk louder. What can I help you with today? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Progressive can do that. Ugh, there's that noise again. Hold on. Let me put you on speaker. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. He is suspended both now and for the foreseeable future, which means... They're at least considering that he's on that team for the foreseeable future. They also, in that statement, said, we are concerned for Tyreek. That starts to lay the groundwork for, look, we're concerned for him and his family. We feel like the best scenario is to keep him on the team, to give him that support, to rally around his son and his fiance, and, and to keep a watchful eye on him. Look, I'm not saying I have any inside info on this. Chiefs have been really tight-lipped. What I am saying is, I think the initial reaction, myself included, was, oh, that's definitely his replacement. I don't know that that's the case. 
I think it's an insurance policy. And if, if Goodell comes down heavy-handed and justifiably and says, look, he's out for the whole year, he's out for two years, he's out indefinitely, then maybe the Chiefs cut him. I will tell you this right now. If he gets suspended for like eight games, 10 games, 12 games, I think there's a very, very real possibility he's, he's kept on that roster. And that they just say, fine, we'll bring him back with Watkins and Mikael Hardman, and we'll have a three-wide set with those guys. And good luck defending all of them. And I, I'm not saying I agree with that in terms of the morality, because I don't. I'm just saying that I think that's a real situation that could happen. I wouldn't put it beyond the pale. I think if the Chiefs knew they were going to cut him, he'd be cut. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'll stand. Last thing I want to wrap up with, I tweeted this out, got a lot of response, and so and I, you actually respond as well, but I want to throw us on the podcast. We are past the draft. Mm-hmm. We are mostly past free agency. We are headed into OTAs. And by the way, for anyone wondering, yes, we will still do a weekly stack in the box. Oh, yeah. We'll have plenty to talk about. We get to now kind of look forward to the upcoming season. But in that vein, right now, post-draft, who are the six playoff teams for you from each conference that you like right now? Uh, it doesn't have to be in order, but just who are the teams that you like and uh, any other you know, preseason slash pre-training camp predictions? In no particular order, the AFC, I've got the Patriots, the Browns, the Colts, and the Chiefs. Those, are, I think, are the division winners. And then the wildcard teams. I tweeted at you Chargers-Texans, but as I'm – worked through it since then and on this podcast i'm leaning maybe bills over texans okay so and then in the nfc it's cowboys packers rams saints bears falcons okay i i predicted every game of the regular season like a maniac uh when the schedule (laughs) came out our predictions are very similar on the afc side i have the same four division winners i have the chargers as the wild card team um i am picking the jets as the other wild card team interesting Um, i I think Darnold's going to take a leap, so I'll go with him. In the NFC side, I picked the Rams, I picked the Saints, I picked the Eagles, and I picked the Bears to win the divisions. Um, and then I have the Falcons making it as a wild card team. And I have, I believe, I excuse me, no, I have, I had Minnesota and Green Bay, Ooh. Uh, both making it as wild card teams. Now, I will say, I don't know if I want to change this yet. I've kind of waffled on it. <laughs> If there's one team that I think could seriously regress this year, it's the Bears. Yeah. They remind me a lot of Jacksonville from a year ago. And not and for it, before I get like the pitchforks thrown to the window here in the office, I think Trubisky is miles better than Bortles. Yeah. Okay, so let's not – I'm not conflating. I'm just saying it's very, very hard to be that good defensively two years in a row. And they lost their coordinator. Mm-hmm. They lost Callahan. They lost Amos. They didn't replace any of these guys. That's a tough thing to do. I think the Packers are better. I think Minnesota's slightly better. Keep an eye on Atlanta, though. If Atlanta can get healthy, because they were ravaged by injuries last year, they still have elite talent. But in any event, just to reiterate, the NFC side, I am going with the Bears right now. Saints, Rams, Eagles, wild cards are the Packers and Vikings. But I reserve my right to change all this. During the NFL preview, because training camp changes a lot of things. Unfortunately, injuries happen. But for that, that is it. For us this week, check out Stack in the Box on Twitter, at Stack in the Box. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Give us a like, giving us a rating, give us a comment, even if it's the fact that I hate Marcus Mariota. Um, got plenty of those. So thank you very much for listening. For Josh Hill, I am Matt Verderam. I want to thank our sponsors at Fanatics. Uh, please go to fanatics.fanside.com, save 20% on shipping. So for Hill, I am Verderam. We'll be back again next week.
Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were looking at your phone while driving, let me say it again. Seriously, put down your phone. That is so unsafe. If you didn't do stuff like use your phone while driving, you could save money with Progressive Snapshot. But saving or not, just put it down. <clears throat> and if you did hear it the first time because you weren't looking at your phone, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents.